I am Eva O, and this is the Teaking Podcast. I have been a dominatrix since 2011, and I would like to spill the tea on my life. Thank you for listening. How I play. My ways have actually not shifted so much over the years. I've been playing since 2011, and I was taught a certain format of welcoming somebody, negotiating, understanding where they're coming from, understanding their desires, and accepting it or not as the first stage of meeting somebody. And then choosing the the space that we wanted. This was all in a BDSM dungeon that we wanted to use according to whether it would suit the desires or what I envisioned for it. And then taking the information and creating a scene out of it fairly immediately because most of the clients walked in from off of the street and didn't necessarily make an appointment or say what it was that they exactly wanted to explore over the phone if they did make an appointment. And so I have learned to just create on the fly as opposed to have elaborate scenes planned out and scripts written. That said, I do have some space for it, although I am not naturally inclined to that. So I started off in the dungeon with that format of that introduction that I mentioned and choosing a space of the many options that we had, the different dungeons, the different sissification rooms, the different faux offices, etc. And then as they were off to the bathroom, having a quick check to make sure that the gear that I needed and wanted was there and having that readied for the potential use, as well as things like the gloves, the barriers that were necessary, the lubes that might be necessary, the cleaning things that were probably maybe necessary along the way as opposed to when I did the final clean. And how I would work it then and how it's not dissimilar to now is that I would just take the time and the note, even in the introduction, of some of the little things that they may have said or some of the ways that their eyes have moved away when they mentioned something or their hesitation when they talk or don't talk about something. And I would make sure to take note to recognize these things so that I could use them later. (laughs) And I really have not changed in that respect. I think that that probably came from before the dungeon. Anyway, I used to do research work. I was also interviewing quite a lot when I worked with the UN. I used to write some articles every now and then and interview people. So perhaps this is just a questioning that has always lived in me anyway. And I've learned how to apply that in these scenes. So in these scenes, 
I almost feel that my mind is my most powerful tool. And it probably is for most. And I have come to rely so heavily on it that I think that my technical skills have definitely suffered. (laughs) But that said, it's still a tool to have been grown and uh, finessed, right? So I shouldn't be too hard on myself for that because I think I am pretty good at utilizing my mind and my watchfulness and my wit and my words. And so I definitely rely very heavily on that then and now. That's something that's always been somewhat of a strength. Uh, And I've been able to pick out those things that I've noticed and feed them back, even when I'm utilizing a tool to feedback, well, you mentioned this, didn't you, about it? Or, but you hesitated. So maybe we should lean into that a little bit. (laughs) And that hasn't changed. Mm. What has changed? What has changed over the years? I think that obviously my awareness of the possibilities has grown. I was very lucky that I started in the dungeon and therefore all of this gear was attainable or accessible to me, even though I didn't know how to use 90% of it um, until even when I left, actually, I probably only knew how to use maybe 40% of the many things that were there. There was a lot of medical gear, for example, that I didn't really understand how to use. And there was probably a lot of bondage things that I ended up just gravitating towards the things that I knew worked because I got off on the mental terror that I saw in people's eyes or in their devotion more than maybe the gear. I think the gear for me came much later. I think that my love for for cages, for heavy bondage metal structures came only when I was designing a space and I understood how I could utilize these things in space to achieve these mental states. And things that I have gravitated towards. So I have obviously cages. I have a bondage chair where each and every finger is locked away. I have head bondage devices where you're trapped in between two pieces of latex I have many, many options. And I didn't get so excited about those things at the very beginning. So I guess maybe it's also about how you enjoy to grow and how you enjoy to be stimulated. And perhaps I enjoy to be continually enamored and excited in some way by something. And that shifts and changes and moves. But this all said, still the basis does not has not shifted, which is interesting for me to realize, actually, to know that I still spend time at the beginning really getting to understand why it is the person is in front of me. I enjoy that I have more time to do that in my private practice, in my independent practice outside of the dungeon when everything was very, very structured and to the minute. And I almost sometimes spend 50% of our time together just having them there on the ground and 
describing why it is that they are interested in this headspace. Because I guess you can always utilize that information in times going forward. And it's also a nice bonding tool, right? And when it's the first time that I meet somebody, I usually take on board what it is that they are interested in. But I usually do a little bit of an introductory session to me so that they understand what my tone is, so that they understand how I speak, how I like to be spoken to, how I like them to move, where I like them to move in a space. It's kind of introducing them to my ways and how I tend to toy and the ways that I think of who they are when they're in front of me. I use words like plaything or surface or object or entertainment. And it kind of introduces them to my world and the rules of my world for them to decide if they're interested in it or not, of course. So we've been over the negotiation, the things that they're interested in, their potential limits, their card limits, their safe word to be utilized when they are in or coming up close to distress of the physical, emotional, mental kind. And I send them off to be washed, to change out of their clothes. And they can come back out in a towel. And I might slowly unwrap the towel when they're in front of me. And I'm still fully clothed. And I usually like to sit them down facing me. I usually like to secure them. And that's when things start to begin. Me starting to make them understand their role as my plaything, to make them understand their value as my entertainment. And I will start to use my hands to play with sensation on them. And I may start to integrate the things that they've mentioned, maybe bondage, maybe concepts of what their role is, maybe certain implements of torture or tease. And I'll probably distort things just a little bit because I don't enjoy just a blatant expression. I enjoy a confusion. (laughs) And this has not changed. I was like this in the beginning also. I've probably become more nuanced in my pacing and my reading of somebody, but for the most part, I've always been intrigued by that kind of an exchange and that kind of an awareness and an insight. And everything that I've been doing has just been to feed the ability for those things to thrive. Mm. And if we've come to know each other more, I may go more directly to the things that I know work, or I may avoid them entirely depending on my mood, and then maybe give a taste of it at the very end. But mm. so I guess I do shift with the pacing of desire also in a way to keep it fresh for myself more than them. And then sometimes when I really get to know somebody, I end up almost putting all of that delicate, nuanced emotion out the window (laughs) and just being like, 
I am interested in interested in exploring this one activity, and we are going to be doing that today. Go, go, get it ready. <laughs> So there is uh, a scale that seems to happen when I become more familiar with somebody. I wonder why that happens. I guess I feel a little bit like I've is inculcated a word, inculcated them or taken them into my world enough so that they are already in that attentive headspace, that they already have a reference point in terms of where they, where they belong and how I would like them to be. Perhaps that's what's happened. Yeah, it almost feels like I, I, I grow a nonchalance, but actually upon thinking back on that, I think that I've grown a familiarity and a comfort and a confidence in our relationship. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it that way. And it's like any... I guess most relationships, right? How, how that can happen over time and comfort and how it actually means more than what could sound dismissive. Mm. <laughs> so I won't be so hard on myself then the next time I just simply instruct somebody to do something when they've been in my life or as long as they have. But yeah, so in the beginning days, in terms of activities, have things shifted? Hmm. I think that I used to play with the erotic a bit more. Actually, no, I still enjoy that edge of things. I think utilizing breath and closeness, it's still a thing for me. And in terms of toying with what they may find hot, essentially. (laughs) But I also think that my skill set is grown. (laughs) And I understand different emotions also. I understand how thrilling terror can be, for example, and threat and humiliation and joy as opposed to just catering simply to a straightforward, if there's such a thing, a straightforward, sexually gratifying experience. I think that actually I've always enjoyed having a range of emotion, but now I more comfortably move through many more in a shorter period of time. I feel more confident, I guess, running through that. Mm. Yeah. And the inverse. I also feel more confident keeping it very simple. I used to, even though I didn't necessarily have time to plan, my sessions and I just had to execute. Uh, I still tried to fit a lot of things in everything that they were hoping for and maybe a few little twists and turns that keep it fresh. But now I realize that a lot of the exchange can live in the fact that I'm in the room, that my presence is there paying attention to them. I think that that has a lot of worth and I don't need to cram in all of this content in order for it to be a valuable exchange for either of us, for both of us. So that's also been an interesting learning of mine. I can take things slower. Mm. Yeah, but still, ultimately, I enjoy getting to know somebody through very, very deep observation. (laughs) 
utilizing that information, often feeding it back to them so that they become a little bit more self-aware and therefore more palatable to me. And then carrying out the things that they were hoping for or not, depending on how much I think that they deserve it. (laughs) And how I feel like I would like our relationship to sit. Yeah. And are there... Are there formulas for this? I probably have some running around in my head very, very much in the recesses of my mind. I guess if I thought about it, it, I could probably write it out, but I've never thought about it. All of this is very intuitive. It's very much me running on the emotion that is happening right then, whether it be mine or what I see potentially in them. And, and feeding off of it and creating something from it and letting that be my guide more than anything else. Yeah. And I guess over time you learn how far maybe you can push most people or what to stay away from, things that sound like it's a no-go. I think those safety Uh, elements when it comes to mental spaces has also obviously improved with my experience and my uh, pitfalls that have happened also when people react badly and it impacts on me obviously. So I guess these things have also made me more cautious Mm. and also over time I think that I've learned that I can easily step into what looks like a very heavily intimate space and then move out of it like that. (laughs) I've become pretty good at embodying my intensity of the focus of an eroticism, of a terror, a, a real intensity. And then just once they're gone, being like, all right, (laughs) What am I going to eat now? (laughs) So I think that's been very healthy for me because I used to carry it more at the beginning and that would feed into me eating like more than I need to in order to like sort of quieten things down, me needing to sleep a lot more in order to kind of balance it out. So I think that that's also been a very useful thing, like a compartmentalization or an ability to put on and off the hat uh, more productively for me. Mm. Yeah, so I think that even though my motivations sound like they haven't changed, motivations of emotional expression and exploration and intensity of engagement and interaction, even though those have not shifted, Uh, I think that my ability to get to those has improved and I'm happy for that. I've never done a review of my own work before. This was supposed to be about how I play, like telling you how I run a session or the things that I do, but it's turned into a little bit of like a a work career review, (laughs) which is okay, I guess, right? It's still an insight into, into what I'm up to. But yeah, perhaps I can end with something that's more more of a practical note. 
in terms of how you could potentially run a session. Yeah, because I, I've been speaking quite like high level in t- terms of my motivations and the emotions that run through it. Everybody's going to have a different experience. Some people are happy with thrill as the emotion, you know, or just like amusement. Totally fine. Totally cool. I definitely have those moments too. And I think that that's probably healthier (laughs) if you're going to play as often as I used to. Uh, But I would say that if you are, I've never played in a session before. There's probably a few things to start off with. And that is maybe to play with somebody who is experienced and who is trusted by the community and who maybe has a reference or two, if that makes you feel more comfortable and have an idea of what it is that you would like to explore, uh, whether you're a top or a bottom, you know, in this scenario. And I don't necessarily think it's entirely necessary, but I think that it can be sometimes useful to switch it up just so that you get the experience of what that perspective could be like. Not saying that it's essential, but I think that it could be a quick way to learn in some ways, if you're open to it, of course. And then after finding these individuals, this group, um, maybe it's even in a class context, it's then having an idea of what the reference points are for you, the things that are interesting that you, so that people have something to work with, so that you have something to work with as well. And it doesn't have to be a huge laundry list. It can just be focusing on one thing for 15 to 20 minutes. You know, we don't have to commit to like a five hour session straight off the bat. And it can be even a practice of being dominant. I think that We don't even have to utilize a tool or a particular sexualized scene. I think it can also just be about asking and getting those needs met. I think that that can also be a really nice power exchange exercise if you're just starting to familiarize yourself with the headspace, with the potential session, headspace and construct. And then to negotiate what that might look like and to have a little bit of a creative freedom in your mind in terms of how those things could maybe go together or that time could be, but also not being too hard on yourself if it doesn't go exactly as that happens. Having safe words in place uh, when it comes to physical, mental, emotional limits and feelings of discomfort and whether you want to use a traffic light system that slows you down at yellow and stops you at red, green is keep going, or whether you just want to do one a one-word stop policy, like, Mercy is my favorite. And then to, you know, you've maybe set up a a time for this where everyone can potentially get into a certain headspace. Maybe you can even have a little ritual that brings you into headspace if you think that changing the lights, the, the smell, the sounds that are happening, you know, to that could help maybe. And then running through these things as maybe you you had negotiated, but also as you have run through in your mind, perhaps. And then checking in with yourself and with the person. And then I think debriefing, very important. How are you feeling? How am I feeling? What worked? What maybe didn't work as well, if anything? What could shift and using it as an informing experience rather than a be-all and end-all. 
And I think that that as a general container for potential interaction is somewhere useful to begin. And reading books like the new bottoming book and the new topping book or SM101 or Different Loving. These are books that I recommend all the time, but they were the books that I started with and they are a great basis, I believe. Getting to workshops to expand your awareness of how people interact as well as what the physicalities of things could be. There's also mental aspects that people do workshops on. I think that all of this is great information to help you build into your satisfaction and your satiation and those of the people you care about. So I think that those are probably some more practical tips aside from my random musings on my career progression. (laughs) So we end season two on a practical note, which is nice. And I have no idea what I'm going to be doing for season three, but it's been fun. It's been a little different to the first season as if you've been listening the whole time, as you would know. And I feel like I got a little bit lighter in some ways, but also let you into some real stories in my life, which has been... I don't know how I feel about that yet. (laughs) I feel very like raw and vulnerable. I'm fine with it, but it does feel like exposing, but I'm fine with it. And I just hope that you've enjoyed it and that you, I'm just very glad that you've taken the time to listen to any of it really, because my main objective here is so that people get to hear the voice of a sex worker of a dominatrix and Um, get to understand the humanity (laughs) behind me, us. And that's it, really. So I'll see you for season three. Who knows what I'm going to get up to. (laughs) So thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you next time.